1974, the first tabletop role-playing game was created. Since then, people from all around have gathered to play. Join me as we talk with RPG enthusiasts while they share their best, worst, and favorite moments. This is You Had to Be There. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of You Had to Be There, a D&D storytelling podcast. Uh, I see we got one new person in the chat today, so that's awesome. Welcome, uh, Haven RPG. It's your first time joining us. Pretty much I sit down and we talk with uh, tabletop RPG enthusiasts and creators and all great stuff like that. Uh, so without further ado, I want to introduce my guest today. Uh, he is an artist, a... Uh, Digital, um, digital artist and illustrator, and I believe you also mentioned. Did you just said you released an indie game as well? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I've just released a Caltrop core game over on Etch. Wonderful. Well, welcome everyone. Andy from Lost Haven Art uh, is here on the show with me today. Uh, my first Scotsman. Scotsman, is that correct? <laughs> Scotsman. I don't know. Scotsman, Scotsman works. Uh, yep. My apologies to all of you over in Scotland, because anytime I try to do an accent, it just turns into a terrible Scottish accent, uh, no matter what <laughs> I try to do. So my apologies, uh, to the whole country of Scotland. Um, so, uh, let's start. I want to start with, I have one of your pictures here from, from your artwork. Um, what's your, like, what was your timeline as far as like doing art versus tabletop role-playing games? Did one spark the other or vice versa? Um, so yeah like uh i've always liked to draw um my parents said like if they wanted me to be quiet if they took me anywhere all they had to do is give me a bit of pe paper and a pencil okay and that was that was me um i actually started getting into tabletop gaming when i was about eight and i bought my first warhammer model oh, okay i started to paint those and then it was two years later when i was about 10 uh i went and visited uh an aunt uh, and my older cousin was in the in his room with two of his friends setting up a second edition D and D game. Uh, but I've kind of linked the two of them ever since. Where I like to draw the characters I was playing, I like yeah. to draw magic items and stuff when I was GMing, draw maps, all that sort of stuff. That's amazing. So you were only ten years old. Yeah. That's so. What was that like being like ten years old? Like, was it? Uh, Did you find it easier or more difficult because you're you were such a little sponge at that point? Um, I think I found the um role playing and the creative part easier. Yeah. Um, but the rules, especially of uh, like D and D second edition, went right over my head. Like I, I had to rely on my my big cousin for. Yeah, no, much that makes sense. Everything. So, and and especially early editions like that, it's a ton of math. Like just yep, straight, yep. like it's so much math, and which is why I wouldn't have made it if I tried it back then. <laughs> I would be like, no, this is way um, too much math. Um, yeah, no, it was um about two years later. I picked up the third edition starter box. Okay, and it it was. I know third edition isn't streamlined compared to fifth edition, but compared to second edition, like everything seemed to me was so much more sense. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, what was your first? What was your first character at ten years old? Uh, Do you I I got I got roped into playing a human cleric. Oh, cool. I was the party healer for <laughs> for my cousin's two other. He was GMing and his two friends were playing, and uh, they're like, "You can play, but you have to play this." And I was like, "Okay, I just, play just wanted to be included." Yeah, you were I just like want to roll the funny old. looking dice. That's yeah. That's no, that makes a lot of it. sense. Um, but also like it's also one of the hardest most complicated yep. classes so it's like and again in second edition oh i can cast one spell per day <laughs> oh, was that how it was okay so it wasn't yep. too complicated then uh that's awesome so then um at one point in time did you start drawing like your characters and stuff because um i think i probably started drawing my character right away obviously at 10 wasn't right. wasn't gonna be good but right. um yeah like i had this idea in my head of what the character looked like i played a lot of the uh, diablo games okay. and stuff at the time so like um i kind of that was always an inspiration um games like diablo and i played around with Baldur's gate at the time so. right so a lot of lot of rpgs so this probably yeah. was like just going right into your bread and butter um yeah nice 
so then uh with your art like where do you draw all this inspiration because like you said your your art when you were 10 was was probably bad but i guarantee you it was was better than anything i can draw so like because i'm looking at this this uh i guess this was one of your most recent commissions right yeah that's commission piece slammed it from your (laughs) stole it from your twitter but um i love the the coloring and the details like the the characters look amazing like regardless but the what really kind of drew me was the the attention to detail and like the table uh is really cool like how you have the wood splintering in like such specific spots and i don't know so where do you um as an artist where do you draw your 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 muse from <laughs> so muse um I don't have video games, probably. Um, for alive. visuals, anyway. Like, I like to play a lot of video games. Sure. Um, color-wise, I like to... I, I play a lot of uh, Japanese role-playing games. So, like, Final Fantasy games. Or, right. like, the Mana series and all that sort of things. And, like, with that anime sort of art style comes with a lot of bright colors. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't actually until maybe about four or five years ago... Uh, I went back to college or university to to get my degree in digital art, and up until that point, I hadn't really been comfortable using a lot of color. And uh, I spent one night when I was I was like planning stuff for one of the projects that I had to do, and I spent a whole night looking at all these color tutorial videos on YouTube. Right. And one of them, I can't even remember which which video it was at this point, just kind of clicked. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah, that's how you do shading and that's how the colors play off each other. And then everything just sort of yeah, started to come together from that. And it, um, it so shows. I love using color. It shows, yeah. like the, the purple hair. I love, so I'm, I'm just assuming it's like some sort of half orc, but I like the, the contrast of like that bright green, like it, for, I love it because like anytime you think half orc, you think like kind of muted almost like a brownish green i'm not i'm terrible with colors but like if you know what i mean but like yeah uh, in this drawing it really like pops and it, it makes it like really cool a little almost like earth genasi ish kind of like i really so, uh, i think this character of commission by i think he was supposed to be like a goliath but like a sort of emeraldy stone oh, color that's sick um and yeah like uh, i kind of like that emerald green for it that and yeah, the... possession the markings like the tattoos i know it's very goliath like so it, yeah. it, it kind of makes sense um and i like that too because there's so many times where i think like and you know sometimes you forget how flexible the game can be uh because like when i think goliath i just think like bald like very white skin with those tattoos but like yeah. oh yeah of course why can't a goliath have it looks like dreadlocks yeah. and and be bright green and i i love that that's fantastic uh what do you do when someone like brings you like do you have a process or as, do you have um, a questionnaire yeah i thought you were going to ask a completely different question there um answer uh, that but question yeah if you want. um process but i'll answer i'll answer the actual question first yeah sure. um the, what i tend to ask for if someone comes to me is to give me a description if it's a character for example give me given the description if you have any images that you've already been using to get an idea in your head so reference pictures are handy uh, and then I'll I'll do a sketch maybe a couple of sketches and show them to the client sure um we'll talk about it like oh you like aspects of this one or that one you like how that looks cool you want that changed we can fix that and then I'll start to kind of clean up the line work then I'll start adding in colors and I'll, again I'll bounce ideas off the client like Good. do these colors yeah. work for you like we can try changing this blah 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 and then keep it's a back and forth i like to have an open conversation with uh whoever's commissioning me so it feels like they're part of the design process and they're not just going here i want you to draw this and i'm taking it away for like two or three days yeah and no, then coming it's... back and going here finish piece yeah uh, i'm sure there's nothing like more disheartening for both a client and the artist to like show the picture and just you're like uh yeah the, not... the client's either like mm, no uh, yeah you don't want to put all that work you have to go change something and if it's already a finished piece it's a lot harder to go and change aspects of it once it's all done it's, it's like 
Oh yeah. At the sketch stage, if there's yeah. something in the drawing that the client's not happy with, it's easy to go and fix it. Yeah. And then when it comes to the color stage, if it's just flat colors and there's a color that the client just really hates, it's it's like a slider. Okay, you right. don't like that green, we'll change it. You need like um, send them spl- what are they called splotches or squat whatever you yeah, put on the walls. Sp- <laughs> I don't know. Splotches. Yeah. I'll just send screenshots of what I've got in front of me. And- sure. Yeah, That's great. Um, a lot of communication is important, I'm sure, but, for that. Uh, the question I thought you were going to ask yeah, is, like, what if, you get a, what if you get a client who just gives you this over-the-top uh, idea, sure. and how do you... <laughs> and, and that happened not that long ago, where uh, someone messaged me asking for... It was a half-dragon, half-demon, demon lord who was 20 feet tall with, like, a 15 foot tall halberd made with living dragons and i was like but i went and did it and like at first i was sketching kind of like a man bear pig kind of deal (laughs) yeah i was everything together oh my god this is gonna how how did i even i started sketching it and i was like actually yeah this is looking kind of cool this looks like a heavy metal album cover yeah oh nice totally into this and yeah like um uh, in the chat like someone who I bounce ideas off of all the times is saying it looked amazing at the end and I was completely blown away with just how how good it is. That's great. Um, it looks like you have one of your one of your friends, uh DM DM underscore studios yeah. is is giving you a ton of praise. Thanks for thanks for <laughs> hanging out with us. Uh but um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it came out of me. Is that one on your Instagram? Because I'll go uh, I'm go check it out after that or Twitter or something. I think I think it I think I might have uploaded that one to Instagram. Uh, it was a it was a few months ago, so it'll be okay. buried under all of the Twitter stuff. But you'll probably have an easier time finding it on on Instagram. Yeah, we'll get it after. I definitely want to see that one because that sounds awesome. I'm picturing like just this like towering de- like. Did you do so? Like obviously, it's on like a piece of paper. So did you put like a bunch of stuff next to it to scale like a tree or um, something? Like how so did you scale I, it? I drew, so, they got the- so I have the the dragon dude like looming over holding this halberd way back like this okay. and then I have these tiny little adventurers <laughs> in front of it like just to give scale. Like, ah! <laughs> yeah so yeah that's great nice um do you because you said I, I just was i was looking on your twitter and you say you do like some digital art too do you prefer like the more hand style drawing or do you uh, like more did do you sway more digital these days I, I do most things digital these days like um yeah it's just faster. Um, yeah. Like, I see a lot of people who also do commission art and they do, like, pen and ink style stuff, which is great, and I, I really enjoy doing it, but it's it's so time-consuming. Right. Uh, and because I'm I'm used to now working with colour, even though those pen and ink style drawings can look really intricate and stuff, I think because there's a lack of colour there that some people are under the impression that it's easier somehow. Like, I definitely think I'm I'm no expert at all, but I feel like clicking a button on a computer for a color is much easier than yeah, mixing paints until is. you get the right color. <laughs> it's just a time but thing like, for sure. There there's there's techniques that um cross over to both like oh, cool. how I sketch is the same as a I would with pencil digitally. Um I do pen and ink style stuff, but I do it digitally. I have certain tools that make it a little bit faster, but all the same principles are there. Right. Um, okay. You just kind of need to learn how to use the tools that you've got. No, that makes sense. Here. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's. Uh, I want to hear about. I want to hear about your your indie game too. But I want to hear about how does like your artwork, your artwork and all of the the creative stuff you do. I want to hear about how it portrays and bleeds into like your games now. Like what kind of like what are you are you mostly DMing these days? Do you play? Um, yeah, no, I, more? I am what the the forever DM. The forever, uh, okay. Yeah, you got a lot so of like, or GM. GM, yeah. I, I I tend not to even play D and D that often, so GM is probably more more appropriate. What do you um, um? What systems do you play more now these days? Um. So well, over on DM DM studios, we do actual plays. Um, so over there, I'm I'm DMing uh, Dark Heresy, which is Warhammer 40k role playing nice. game, and that's on the the DMs DM Studios that one. Yeah. Yep. Oh, awesome. Yep. Uh, so that's a monthly game. We only do it once a month. Okay. Uh, and that's because the time zone difference. It's like it only sure. really works out once a while. You mean like this one right here? 
yeah, yeah, like <laughs> um, but it's the other way around where I'm up until like three in the morning, so oh. like I'm playing at a convenient time for yeah. uh, all the American players. Uh, but it, yeah, it's it's good. It's a lot of fun. On a Sunday, I GM over there every week. Uh, it's started with a Legends of the Five Rings okay. campaign, uh, which has been a lot of fun. We're taking a break from it at the moment to run and test play the indie game, the Caltrop core game that I've designed. Uh, But you're talking about how does my gaming bleed into art? Yeah, so you said, because you say you draw like magical items and all these other things. Like, do you have like NPCs that you've drawn up or magical Mm -hmm. items that you've drawn up that ended up like in your games and stuff? Yeah, um, so yeah, I've done that. and That was something I used to do a lot as a kid. I spent more time in high school drawing like swords and wands and magical items in the back of like notebooks instead of actually doing work. Yeah, you don't Um, know. And then I've used those as like on a Friday or Saturday when I'd head to my friends and we'd we'd play D&D. I'd be like, oh, I drew these during the week and you guys, this is what you found when like you're in the dungeon. Uh, but for that um, Legends of the Five Rings game, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to have character portraits that are in a more traditional Japanese style. So I went and played around with some of the digital tools that I had to get this nice pen and ink wash style that looked more traditional Very for cool. all of the player character portraits. And Very then cool. I ended up doing some NPCs in that style. And then the indie game that I've designed, I did in that style because it's uh, Japanese themed. Nice. What was like one of your what was one of your most like your favorite magical items that you've made? Um So like when I played third edition I, I used to do a thing where instead of giving the players new magical items all the time, I would design one really cool magic item and then start having different powers emerge as the player character got more powerful it was easier for bookkeeping uh, more than anything oh so it was almost um, like the magical item would level up as they leveled up yeah um, all right so that's like, cool they're just like artifacts and then i'd, I'd take the, the basic drawing and then i'd occasionally just add on top of it so uh, one of the characters who was playing a paladin had like it was a pretty bog standard looking magical longsword to begin with and then okay. as he leveled up all these sunbeam type patterns started to appear on the blade and like had this started to get this glow to it and then things started to change where the pommel started to become more feathery and wing-like and it became like this sort of angelic sword by the time that they reached about level 11 which is when the campaign ended i like that it kind of like feeds off the the energy of the wielder yeah Um, and i tried to do that i tried to give them powers that kind of reflected stuff that the characters have maybe done through yeah. the campaign so i picture it like this this one giant sword with like the angelic wings and then and then the paladin like puts it down and like maybe some kid walks up and tries to pick it up and then it turns into like a butter knife because it just yeah, yeah like, it just, just becomes like, this normal just becomes sword a little, sword yeah a little tiny dagger or something like now that's what you get and you're not strong enough for the, <laughs> for the wings and stuff nice, you need that's to awesome. unlock the power yeah, yeah. it kind of just it gives me that like like it's almost like when it attunes to you it it understands like oh this is a a strong someone can handle my power so i will enable them to have the power that i can provide for them so like that's a a very like interesting way and like you said it's probably easier to to just kind of like yeah they're they're just keeping track of this one magical three now whatever damage it's doing or nice. it now does light damage, or it's um yeah, it can now you can now fly X amount of times per day or whatever with it and all that sort of stuff. Nice, nice. So uh, let's let's then let's get into uh, about this indie game you made because that was cool when you dropped that on me. You're like, I just made it. So, uh... <laughs> um yeah, so I um I started making a Caltrop core game um a while ago. Uh, I really enjoy the Yakuza video games. Uh, and I'm, okay. a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of like uh, Far Eastern crime dramas and stuff. So, like Chinese uh, police dramas and like Japanese crime okay. dramas and all that sort of stuff. So, I, I wanted to make a crime drama game. Uh, I really like tattoos. So, like the Yakuza seemed like a, a natural fit. And I had this idea in my head that your character would progress through the tattoos that they get through their career as okay. a, a Yakuza. 
So the game has 33 different tattoo design elements in it. All of them have different mechanical benefits. Um, when your character progresses, you pick two of them. And that's a new segment of your tattoo, and it gives you more mechanical benefits for your character. So it might be rerolls on certain skills, or bonuses to certain things, or extra health, and all that sort of stuff, nice. depending what symbolism is behind them. Uh, and yeah, it's just this, this sort of CD... All the artwork is in grey tones with some red in there. Nice. Uh, it's that sort of noir mood. Uh, so it's yeah, like it's a just... Japanese cop noir kind of theme. Yeah, and yeah, so like you're... crime, crime noir. And you play, thing. so this is inherently kind of you're playing not good people. You're working yeah, your you're, way you're up the ranks. Yeah, you're playing felons, yeah. So like... You're working your way up the, around, the ranks in the Yeah, Yakuza. so... There's no levels, but the progression system is you work in seasons. So your characters start in spring, which is the start of their career. Then they move on to summer, where they're a bit more respectable in the organization. They get a bit more leeway in what they can do and what they can't do. And then you kind of build your way up. But uh, with uh, crime drama, even like just like uh, American gangster movies like Casino and Goodfellas yeah. and stuff, they always end kind of bad for the main characters. Something bad always happens to them. And that makes and sense. Arizumi, which is the name of the game that I've designed, you're intended to end everything kind of badly. Badly, like uh, if you if you if your character ends up on like secluded beach, you know, living off branches, that's like a positive ending. Yeah, for that's him, a good like, ending. Like, yeah, I made it. I um, have to live alone in the wilderness for the rest of my yeah, life, but I'm not it, in jail or dead. But so. I'm not in jail or dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that. There's one. That- one of the tattoos that you can take, uh, the crane in Japanese symbolism means a long life. Okay. And if you take that tattoo, provided that you don't die before die, die, the yeah. end, yeah, um, your character should have a fairly good ending, but that's the only benefit that that tattoo design gives you. <laughs> but what if you get that tattoo and then they're like, all right, we're going to give you a life sentence. Damn it! <laughs> like, <laughs> it's going to be a Means, long time. It's <laughs> going to be a long time, but yeah. like, you probably probably leave prison and just kind of yeah. part ways from your <laughs> That's funny. Old life. Um, nice. So, uh, I like that that tattoo thing is very, very cool. What, um, as far as, like, dice goes, like, what kind of a... Is it, like, D10s, or what do you it's do for It's a that? D4, so a D4s. Caltrop, uh, which is um, a Titanomancy on, on Twitter. They made a oh, okay. basic system that uses all D4s. Okay. Um, this, the system, as it is, like, you have traits, they have a number associated with them, that's how many D4s you roll. And you're looking for a three or a four, essentially, on one of the dice to succeed. But I, I kind of built on that and so simple roles work that way in the system but things like combat and stuff are a little bit more complex where you're kind of trading dice off with your opponent okay while you're doing combat to kind of either cancel out their successes or deal damage and Got that it. system applies to combat social intrigue and um, a little challenges other than obviously it's d4s but i think that combat works similarly in like call of cthulhu where you have to make the attack but then the person can dodge and if they yeah, succeed they can dodge then, or, yeah. yeah or they can counter attack yeah yeah nice that's cool yeah I, I like um i play mostly fifth edition just because it's what i learned on and it's like this but i really i do like the simplicity of like those you just roll this one dice if you're good at it you roll more than one dice and yeah. that's your amount of successes like i've played call of cthulhu and chronicles of darkness i think which which is straight tens. Uh, yeah, Chron- Chron- Chronicles of Darkness. Uh, more so first edition, uh, yeah. and that's just because I'm I'm old and I bought a lot a lot of books for first edition that I, I just couldn't bring myself to upgrade to the second edition rule set more than anything. But Chronicles of Darkness is my favorite role playing game system, probably. Oh really? Yeah, I had a good yeah. time. I did it with uh um I was just like a, a Christmas thing I did with one of my past guests and uh yeah it was fun. We just played like and it I like how just kind of free those systems are where it's like you could literally roll those dice in anyone's like we played children in Russia. <laughs> like that was like kind of a so nice. I like those ones because it's just like it's real it just makes it a little more real. Um but uh but it's also awesome to be a superhero like some of the times, you know, just like a badass um, yeah, but in this one, in your game, I'm guessing it's it's high risk because you're a person, you're a human. Yeah, and you're you're human. There's no and, yeah. no real supernatural element to it. In fact, uh, f- firearms are probably the highest damage weapon 
that you can get in the game. They're also because in Japan, like it's illegal. You, it's like in the UK, you can't legally own a firearm right. unless there's certain licenses and restrictions put in place. So, it's a big deal, right? Uh, to have a gun on to you is a, a really gun, yeah. big deal, and so. I made firearms the biggest damaging thing in the game, just yeah. to kind of emphasize that. Oh shit! This guy's pulled a gun out on you. You're. Did I have to like, and and obviously you're you know you're still working. Do you is this something you're gonna publish eventually? Like you're gonna. I've pub- it's, it's, oh, on it's published. Oh, it's published at the moment. Yeah. Nice. Um, the the thing about it was like I published it on Friday on itch. Uh, That's awesome. Or for. I think it might have been Thursday I might have published it, but I didn't make any posts about it. I just kind of uploaded it ready to go. All right. Uh, and then made it, made all the, scheduled all the posts and stuff on Friday about it. And then oh, yeah. on Saturday, you know, self-promote Saturday on Twitter, I started making all the posts about it. Excellent. And it, someone responded to one of my posts going, oh, I showed this game to a Japanese audience and they all loved it and they had a link to their their posts about it and they'd post they'd made the post in the early hours of Friday morning, so I hadn't even publicly posted about the game yet. They'd found it on itch. Okay. And made a post about it and there was like a hundred and four likes and a hundred plus retweets That's and brilliant. from all these people in Japan and I was like it's amazing that's what you want Um, you want someone that that's the thing is there's so much like and i'm learning this from like like twitter and stuff like there's so many so much content out there but everyone has their different tastes and their different styles and like you know your game that style of gaming might not be you know any interest to like australians like you know what i don't know i'm just kind of bullshitting but like (laughs) you know there's some people that are just like that's not interesting to me at all. I wanna I wanna play a I wanna play a knight. I wanna play a yeah. You know, a, I wanna play a, a Jedi. But like for some people, they're like this is amazing. And like I, I wonder if it's an appeal there because you're like oh, I've heard about the Yakuza and like it would yeah, be fun like, to be like oh, bad be but not actually get in trouble for it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like this. Um. It, so my one question though about the game. So do you when they start out, do they not have guns and they have to like work their way yeah, up to getting a gun? Have have very little to start out with. You you ha- you pick your first ta- first two tattoos. Right. Um. You assign your stats. That's pretty much it. You're pretty much looking to find stuff during like the scenario. Or, yeah. The there's an <laughs> there's an intro scenario in the book as well, which kind of introduces all the mechanics and uh, stuff like that. Um. Which I, I played through uh, on DMD and Studios, and I played through with another test group as well. I played through this scenario twice, and I was like, I'm going to write this out and include it in the PDF as just like a, yeah, this this will get you started. It's a nice starting off point. Um, it's great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think there's, a, an, a, there's an appeal to playing villains, I think, uh, for people. Yeah, I've, I haven't played like true bad like bad kind of, i had we had one group that was kind of going in that direction but mostly it was like neutral kind of but swings bad we're just like you know that's i haven't like gone down that road but it's something that i definitely it would be interesting to do i've heard that it's it's like bittersweet because it's like fun but then you also like go into what your brain could think of you know if you're like have yeah. hostages and stuff you're like i don't like this yeah. <laughs> but you're like but this um, is what the character would do which is awful so i think you know, um yeah totally get your that. feet in but don't dive in completely <laughs> so, like i was saying like chronicles of darkness is one of my favorite game systems yeah. and you play as vampires and werewolves and all that sort of stuff so yeah. you're monsters and, and vampire in particular you're kind of encouraged to be nasty yeah uh and i have a friend who i've been playing with for years who just doesn't if, if we were going to play a vampire game he's like cool i'm just gonna i'm gonna sit out you guys yeah. enjoy just because that idea of playing an absolute monster just doesn't was it appeal to yeah. him but like in the chat like uh derek at the end of the studio since it's liberating sometimes to play a villain um yeah and it's something i think works for shorter shorter game campaigns that's what i've heard like the my my regular group they did like an evil campaign and they were like this is fun for a short thing but then they yeah. were like uh one of them ported their their like 
evil character into their like main group so it's kind of interesting to hear about this like yeah uh, overtly last... terrible person that's like in a group the last time I played D&D, I played a necromancer and I was awful evil. And oh. like the rest of the party were like, we don't know what to do with you. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's like, like a weird oh. concept. I only played, I played a necromancer once, but I hate, I had him more like he was lonely. So he learned how to raise the dead so he could have friends. <laughs> like It was like kind of more that route. It was a Halloween one shot. Um, yeah, it, it's fun. Although, you know what? Like, because I started, as most people do, when they start playing these games, I feel like, is I started off with, like, a pretty good guy character, and, like, we were yeah. good, and it was my fr- a couple of us first time playing, so I think the the experienced people understood, so they made good characters, and we're, like, these noble band of, of <laughs> do-gooders. Yeah. And then, after that, I noticed that my characters just became increasingly more kind of shitty. <laughs> just, like, this guy is such yeah. a... Like, my current character is like a total ass like he's just such an ass and but then like after playing this for a while i, I found myself just being like man i i kind of need a i kind of need a palate cleanser i kind of want to play yeah. a really good just want to need, play, you like, need a, a nice person a goofy i want someone really who's nice like character because i want someone to give me a task and be like hey can you help me with this and instead of my character being like well what's it in for me i want them to just be like yes of course <laughs> i'll help you with this but <laughs> that's not where i'm at right now um let's uh yeah <laughs> what kind of when you did play like what was your more whether it's D D or uh, any of these other systems what's kind of more are you more of a chaotic player or are you more of a uh, yeah i i am um, i think i'm used to being the, the dm so when so i play much, a character yeah. I, I tend to take control at points but i can also be chaotic yeah i, I think i kind of like oh oh i don't need to be in charge of everything that i'm just going to be absolute wild i tend to play rangers a yeah. lot where i can be a little bit more feral and a little bit more chaotic um yeah and i like aragorn i'm like a big lord of the rings fan and like yeah so the yeah. idea of playing this this ranger who's a little bit uncivilized and yeah he's a little hardier as opposed yeah. to uh legolas is a little more put together um also i started off playing my first character's ranger pretty much solely because of lord of the rings yeah yeah because they're the only it's like one of the only classes that they actually like mention in it obviously there's wizard but like you don't hear someone be like oh they're a paladin or they're a cleric like i don't think you hear those words or about like i guess gimli would be considered more of like a fighter or a barbarian but you're like well he's a he's a dwarf with with a you know but the the rain they're the only ones that specify like that they're oh, yeah, ra- they're ranger. rangers of the north rangers. And, yeah, yeah ranger and you're yeah. like ranger and then you see it in the book you're like oh that's a thing from the yeah, movie yep. and like yeah. yeah that's aragon yep i want to yeah. play that so uh that makes sense um yeah. i also like i don't know if you experience this maybe as a forever dm because i play with like a lot of people who dm a lot and they're the most like the really rough to play with when you're like newer because they're just like there's probably a trap there. Like, do you know the back end? It's like you're. It's like you're watching. I guess it'd be um, like watching a play, but you know exactly what the crew is doing the whole time. Yeah, it either goes one of two ways. Where you're, like, I I I feel bad for anyone at GMs for me because my brain is always kind of thinking, well, I would. This is how I would do it. Yeah. And so I'm either like, oh, there's going to be a trap here, and then oh, yep, they're a trap. I'm not yeah. surprised or. Or they don't pull a trap, and I'm kind of like, that's a wasted opportunity. Why? Why didn't they? Why didn't <laughs> why you put a trap, trap there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's it's a lose lose. That's fine. Uh. All right. So let's talk. Let's get into uh, you as a you as a, a GM. Then like, so you you run most games. Um. Yep. What's your like style of? I mean, I know you you said you like this like Japanese. Do you like more of that role playing aspect, like the D fours, um, the D tens, or do you do like D twenty rolls with more crazy combats and stuff so um yeah i suppose d10 systems are actually more because i'm thinking like uh, i've been running legends of the five rings and it's the fourth edition of it it uses a d10 system it's a sure. dice pool system uh chronicles of darkness is a d10 dice pool system um uh there's another game. It's it started off as a song of ice and fire, so like the Game of Thrones role playing game, and it's they've made it a more generic system. It uses d6 dice pools, so I think I like okay. dice pool systems. Uh, I like systems where there isn't really levels. You 
kind of you have experience points you spend them on stats and skills and abilities and you kind of customize your character as you're going sure um uh, but as a gm i am notorious for not preparing i okay you're a from the hit you shoot from the hip. Uh, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I just shoot from the hip. I am uh, very much a, a wing it. I might the, my my version of prep is maybe having oh, I want this event to ha- to happen at some point or this MP- NPC to show up, and then I'll just kind of have them floating there until the players do something that's going oh cool that fits. Uh, or if the players end up not doing anything that fits, I'll just kind of roll with it. I, the the key sure. to doing it though is you you kind of have to know the setting well enough to know how the world should work. Yeah, I'm sure. And like, react to the players. If you're yeah. going that far, like if you're willing to shoot from the hip like that, like your players really could choose to do anything, and that must yeah. be the hardest part is setting wise. So it's it's one of these things where I'm saying that I, I don't prep, but it's like I like to know the setting, inside and out. So that is a form of prep. I you suppose. have an outline, a guideline. Yeah, yeah. And that then makes sense. then yeah, I can just kind of work around what the players want to do. So it's like a sandbox, and yeah, the players can kind of just do what they want. Um, Chronicles of Darkness. I've been running that since two thousand and six. Wow. Uh, and I use the same fictional city run all different sorts of monsters in there so vampire games werewolf games mage whatever uh and any time that i run it whatever happened in the previous campaign or story arc has not gone effects through the whole it ripples through the setting and i think that consistency kind of also helps players when they're like oh i'm gonna do this and they can kind of expect what should happen or what to, do you like do you record yep. because when you like go from the, the like like kind of wing it like that do you like take notes or do you like record yeah. or anything i take or, like listen i back? take notes okay yep. you take I a take lot of notes. notes um notes and what players have how they've interacted with npcs or things that they might have done that have a long-term effect so that then when things come full circle it's like oh remember that time when you did this well this is payback <laughs> um cool. or that's the payoff of it yeah uh nice nice uh quick shout out hey everyday superhero cast good to see you man uh thanks for joining us um i want to definitely go into as true you had to be there fashion uh i want to hear some fun stories i want to hear some funny stories so okay. this, is, this uh, is how we wrap up every episode. Funny story. Yeah, give me. Uh, it doesn't have okay. to. It could be tragic. It could be. Oh well, it's it's all either about, one. Um, Whatever you got. I just want to hear like when I always like to put it as like when someone's like, well, I want to try playing tabletop role playing games. Like, what is that like? And you're just like, all right, let me tell you this time. It's the time. Every any story that you were trying that you wanted to tell someone and it was never a good time because you're like at work <laughs> or something. That's what that's what this show is for. Okay. Yeah. Um. One of one of the the first stories I kind of think of with this is um so when I was I used to run third edition we're running this long campaign it was kind of early into the campaign and I started the campaign setting had steampunk elements so there were firearms and airships and all that sort of stuff going on okay and I made an engineer class for the game setting but nice. firearms are volatile uh and if you rolled a one. On your attack roll, it would backfire and do like, damage to you. And the player who offered to test play the engineer class, they got into this fight, and he was miles away because he had guns and stuff. He didn't need to be up close. Right. Um, trying to fire down on these ogres that were attacking this camp that they were in, and he rolled seven ones back to back. <laughs> Just knocked his own character out. And I didn't even uh, have to attack him with a single enemy. He just it just, just hurt him. So he just, just kept yeah, blowing, took his up. gun. Just kept blowing up in his face. Yep. Uh, but this is the same player who had. This was only like they were only about level four or five by this point in the campaign, and he'd had already had two or three characters before this point. Oh my gosh! And <laughs> every single one of them ended miserably. He had a paladin who 
they got into a fight with some giant spiders in the forest and he decided he was going to charge in on the back of his um, magical mount into the spider webs, failed the reflex roll to get out of the webs, the horse got stuck, got murdered <laughs> by the spiders, and then he got he, he, he refused to leave his horse there to flee with the rest of the party and so Aww. he went down with it he went down um, with the horse and then yeah. all right wait so how many characters did this guy go through uh before the engineer three three so he had the paladin he had a gnome wizard okay who actually ended up kind of dying partially due to pvp situations where <laughs> okay his gnome wizard know. was really arrogant for whatever reason uh Used to like belittle the barbarian in the party, and so the the player who was playing the barbarian decided to pick them up by the ankle and was like, "You need to stop speaking to me like that. Like the next time anything happens, I'm just gonna let you die." And the player who was playing the gnome goes, "Can I still cast spells even though I'm being held upside down?" And I was oh. like, "Yeah, yeah." Uh, and so he was like. I'm going to cast Ray of Frost uh, at the Barbarian's foot. Okay. Cast it. Did some damage. The Barbarian's reaction to that was to pile drive the gnome into the it, ground. Yeah, that's not going <laughs> to... Uh, and being third edition, wizards have very little hit points and it just pretty much one-shot KO. Um, and I was like, cool. You're just going to be unconscious for a little while. The Barbarian's like, I need to go heat my feet up because, like... That's a lot of cold damage. Right. Does the wizard have anything in their backpack that I can use to make a fire with? <laughs> um, Spellbook. Yeah. Oh, so that's so mean. And Not the, the player spell like, book. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rip out the empty pages. <laughs> to, oh, you ripped out to the start the fire with. Um. Cool. And then the player who's playing the mage is like, can the smell of the smoke wake me up? Yeah, why not? You smell smell the smoke. Yep. Automatically knew that it was their spell book. Charged into the room that they'd made this campfire in between the legs of the rogue and tried to cast another spell. And the rogue player was like, isn't that an area of effect spell? Yep. Uh... So it'll hit me because they're casting it from behind me. Yep. Uh, since he's casting a spell, can I get an attack of opportunity? Yep. I'm going to knock him out of the blackjack that I've got. <laughs> oh, no. Um, And it caused a bit of tension in the party to the point the gnome wandered off by themselves. And, you know, that old trope of don't, don't split the party. Ah. Uh... Um, they were in ancient ruin, ruins filled of, filled, filled of undead and like they, they went off in a huff and got themselves uh, gribbled on by some zombies that were... <laughs> it was like, so he just was like, I can't deal with this party anymore, yeah. left, and then yeah. pretty much got eight because he's a tiny gnome wizard. You're like, you brought that on yourself. That's so funny. The spellbook thing like is so brutal. <laughs> That's so it was like, it's like, I warned you the other players warned you what they would do if you did it, and you oh still went ahead. And so did then, it. what was his second? What was his third character before uh, the? He played the dwarf fighter. Okay. Um, and I I don't know what happened. Um, he he must have got really bored playing a fighter. Like fighters are always they're kind of the vanilla class. To be fair. Can be, yeah, the, you gotta really yeah, figure out how to put your flair on it. He made the like, dwarf fighter, got fed up with it, and instead of asking me, like, oh, I'm not enjoying the character, can I just retire them or whatever, he intentionally went out of his way to get himself killed. Okay. Like, taking on unreasonable odds, like, oh, there's a war band of orcs coming towards the village. The rest of the part are like, maybe we should scout it out, see how many they are, try and pick them off. Just Leroy yeah, no, The dwarf hit. is like, yeah, I'm just going straight in. And it's like, okay, you're going to die. That's 
oh no, it's cool, it's fine, my dwarf will be fine. Like, no. <laughs> but, oh my gosh. Yeah. Hilarious. They had the engineer, though, even after almost blowing themselves up, they had okay. that engineer right up until level 11. Okay. So, fourth um, character so, is the charm. Yeah, fourth character is the charm. <laughs> nice. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, uh, yeah. That's cool, because, like, the engineer, now they have, like, the artificer. So yeah. So, you were kind of ahead of the game. Yeah, the um, artificer's but... a lot of fun. Like, my yeah. engineer didn't have anything magical about them. It was all alchemy and science. Right. But, like, yeah, I, I like artificers and fifth ed. They're pretty fun. Honestly, yeah, it's it's like one of my I, it's like one of the few classes that I have more than one of, and I you know mostly one shot stuff, but like it is fun. Um, let's get uh let's get one more story. That one was was amazing, but it was long, so <laughs> yeah. I like to get at least at least two stories in. So uh, okay. let's get one more okay. story, and then we'll let you plug your stuff, and uh, we'll get you out. Of uh, I'm trying to think of another. Story. <laughs> I had that one lined up. Now I'm trying to find think of another. That's fine. One. Um, I suppose um, like. Up to a certain point, all I played was face to face. So I suppose uh, talk a little bit of the Legends of the Five Rings campaign. Sure. Um, that was the D10 where... system you mentioned, right? That was yeah. the D10. Cool. Um, it was the, the second sort of adventure that they went on, and they they went with this old samurai lord, like like Legends of the Five Rings, all about samurai, uh, and there's different clans, and they they went south with this old samurai lord who wanted them to investigate some. Uh, assassination, assassinations and disappearances in the area, and there was this whole big arc where, like, they fought some ninjas. They uncovered all these secrets. They spoke to him. He kind of ended up telling them, like, "Oh, like I came and got you guys without permission from the Lord of the Clan. In fact, I was told not to." And so there was all this dispute about honor and duty and all that sort of stuff where mm-hmm. some of the party members were like oh, no, you're disgraceful like you shouldn't have went against your lord's wishes and some of the party members were like oh you're like the most honorable of samurai like of course <laughs> you would go and serve the empire above that your own clan sort of thing uh but there was this whole unfolding where he kind of accepted that because he disobeyed his lord he was going to die Okay. Has he'd he'd have to commit seppuku. Uh and the party were kind of split between it. And there's all these for like two or three sessions, there was all these moments where he would go and speak to the party members individually. And he would kind of re- reveal all these soft sentimental sides of like because he originally presented himself as this old tough crab samurai where like they don't show emotion they're the protectors of the realm and all that sort of stuff to being like well no of course i'm i fear death and like i love this woman you need to tell her that before i go and like i want you to hand this off to my daughter and all these things where all the party members are like oh my god no we can't we can't let him die but like story-wise it came to a point where they discovered that the Lord of the Crab Clan had been corrupted and they were like, to prove a point to the rest of the clan, he kind of needs to go out honourably, he needs to make a last stand before... Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the last session they had this NPC with them, they had this big rich, like, the committed seppuku and it was this big ritualistic thing and all the crab samurai on the gates of the city were all watching it and all chanting to their ancestors and the player characters were all doing this ceremonial funeral pyre and, like, it was just, like, everybody in the chat for the stream because it was an actual play were all like, oh "Oh my god he died, oh my god and it was just this big emotional moment and I don't think I've ever had Wow. A moment quite as emotionally tense as that in a a tabletop game ever. I honestly like I've grown a real appreciation for those moments of the game. Like you know when it's hard when you start out and like you're like I don't really know how vulnerable I can get. Like how you know when you, especially if you're not used to like role playing like that or like improv and stuff. But uh, it it really makes the game. You need those moments. So that's that's awesome to hear. I love. Anytime someone sets up this like real heartfelt or finds that really like big connection to the games, I think right. it's beautiful. 
Yeah, it was just it was like the players like getting Derek's and chat. He's saying he was literally crying at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but it was like I think for online gaming and the fact that it was an actual play and seeing all yeah. these people who aren't even playing the game just being like, "Oh my god!" Now I'm sitting there as a GM going, "What did I actually? What have I done here? What?" No, <laughs> no, think, you did your job. You did your job, yeah, man. That's what you do. I Pull think on the like, heartstrings going into a game about samurai like a certain tone was expected but i think that moment kind of went oh this is this is the this is the tone for the campaign right here it's like serious drama and emotions and all that sort of stuff are going to be going on in this um and i think that just kind of solidified the campaign at that point of like yeah this is this is what we're doing beautiful i love that thank you thank you for sharing that um Thanks, uh, thanks, Derek and Julian and everyone else. Spartek, if you're still there, a few people that's been hanging out in the chat. Hope you've uh, enjoyed your time here with us. Um, Andy, uh, where can people find you? Where can people find your art, your games, all this amazing stuff? Um, yeah, so uh, you can most most commonly find me on Twitter uh, at Lost Haven Art. Uh, I use, I do post stuff to Instagram, just not as often. That's also Lost Haven Art. Uh, here on Twitch, I have my own channel, uh, Haven RPG. Um, we do actual plays. I also do a, a one-shot and review show on my channel. Uh, find me every Sunday on DMDM Studios. And uh, for buying my games, uh, Lost Haven Games on itch.io is probably the best place to find any anything that I'm going to publish down awesome. the line. But Arizumi is already there. There's a fifth edition supplement about the Fey Wilds that me and Derek from DMDM Studios did together. That's up there as well. So uh, that's that's the two things that I've published so far. But I've got other projects in the works. Yeah, great. Uh, if anyone listening, I'm gonna get those links um, for everyone. We'll post it uh, in your description so everyone can find you nice and easy. Uh, I'll do my sign-offs. Thanks everyone for listening and hanging out. Uh, if you're watching the live stream here, all this junk that's behind me is gonna be gone. <laughs> um, because I uh, I'm gonna be I'm I'm stacking a few episodes. You're not gonna see me live for probably a month because I'm gonna be on the road doing comedy and uh, having my wedding <laughs> in a couple days. So busy, Next, busy. Congrats. So we got thank you. Yeah. So uh, so but the episodes will still drop every other Wednesday. That's why I've been banking these. Um, if you want to be a guest on the show. Uh, you email me at you had to be there dnd podcast at gmail.com or you can hit me up on twitter at t Decilis comedy uh follow me on twitter do all that good stuff um if you've been listening to the show for a while and you're on uh, spotify or apple podcast or any of those uh give me a review a good review if uh it's not a good review then don't leave it um <laughs> uh but no i i really would appreciate any uh positive positive feedback reviews um my intro the music for my intro was created by michael james mcgarry you can follow him on it's mj made on instagram and soundcloud and my logo for my show was created by nicole summers from the reliably chaotic podcast and uh once again i'm tom DeSillas. i'm the host and uh thanks for listening this has been you had to be there with andy from lost haven art bye everyone bye